Hi, everybody. My name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Central Heights Church. It is my privilege to share with you a bit out of what we call the Bible, God's Word, this morning. Uh, we've been going through a series here, if you're a guest with us, out of a book in the Old Testament of the Bible called Isaiah, as he paints to us different pictures of who God is, what he is like, what he does. And this morning, we've got um, baptisms, and we're going to have people share their stories, and so I'm going to weave in and out um, some glimpses into this passage of Scripture as we do that. There are three little sections, and I'm going to take them in three different times. Um, for part of my youth, I grew up in Calgary, and I've really enjoyed living in the West Coast now, but I've tried to forget most of what I can from living there. But I do remember a couple of things in my mind which really stand out. And one of those things was an event that happened in the summer. We were at this uh, camp or, or park just out in the outskirts of Calgary, which probably is no longer the outskirts of Calgary because Calgary just continues to sprawl. But we were there. We were having a, a picnic together. And we were at this dam site. So there was a dam. There was water flowing below where we were. And we could see that people were jumping into the water below from some rather, as I remembered, extreme heights. And, you know, they were doing their thing and having fun. And we're doing our thing up above, chatting together, eating food, having conversations. And then above our conversation, we heard this scream. And then another scream and yelling and didn't think much of it until at some point, somehow, it captured our attention and everybody was looking down at the water below. In those moments, time kind of stands still and we realize that there was a man in the water down below who was beginning to drown. We saw him go under and then back up and I was not a swimmer. I felt so help helpless, but suddenly a guy threw off his shirt and from pretty big height, jumped into the water, managed to get to this man, and we watched from above as he dragged him to the shore, and other people that were on shore there uh, came together with him, surrounded them. It looked to us like they were doing CPR and stuff like that, and the man lived. Now, we would, we would all say of that man on that day, he was saved. He was truly saved. And today we're talking about the God who saves. And when we think about that word saves or salvation, especially uh, if you've been a Christian, you hear it in that context, that is sort of the sense that comes to our mind, that we've been rescued from something. We've been saved from something. And you would be right to think that. But when we talk about salvation and being saved, we need to think that there's more. This morning as we witness people be baptized, they're going to go under the water, and then they're going, to come, they're going to come up out of the water. And as they go under the water, we repeat the phrase, dead to sin. And as they come out of the water, we repeat the phrase, raised to life. See, when we're saved, we are rescued. We are saved from something. And the Bible talks about how we, we do things. We, we, we sin against God, we sin against one another, and that causes separation in relationship with one another, but most importantly with God. And we are deserving to be separated from him and even punished. But we are saved from that. We are rescued from that. And when someone goes under the water, that's a picture of that, that, that the penalty and the power of sin, we're, we're now dead to that. We're no longer alive to that. It no longer rules our life and curses us, 
But we're not just rescued from something. The person doesn't stay under the water. They come up out of the water. They are raised to new life. And just as Jesus died on the cross, as we'll look at in such vivid terms next weekend, he also rose from the dead after his crucifixion. And so we identify with him in baptism that we are dead to dead under the water, but alive. As Jesus came alive and rose from the dead, so we rise to something. We are rescued not only from something, but to something. Resurrection, life in Jesus Christ. From something lesser to something greater. And I think all of us, um, we have that sort of desire within us. We want to move from something to something, something better. So from mental management to, to being a CEO, from school grades that are B's to A's, we want to go from unpopular to popular. We want something more from something less. We want more meaning, more success, more of what I'm searching for. In that way, it has been said that everybody has a functional savior. Everybody has something they're looking to, to take them from where they are to something better to save us in that sense. Well, Isaiah says that we should only be looking to God, the God of Israel, the one true God, the God who ultimately revealed himself in Jesus Christ. That no other God in religious terms, no other God in religious terms, and no other functional savior in the way that we could live our lives could ever lead us to salvation. That is, the flourishing, the well-being, the resurrection kind of life that God intends for each and every person to have that will only be found in God. Isaiah 45, verse 16 says, Israel is saved by the Lord. Ultimately, that Savior, that Lord, is God's Son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, we have the privilege of hearing stories of people sharing how they have discovered this person, this Jesus, this Savior that not only rescues them from, but to to something, to someone. So I'm going to invite Kathy and Michaela. They're going to join me up here. They're the first ones. Would you give them uh, just a a word of encouragement through your clapping? Yeah. Just to let them know you're with them. So they're going to share their stories, and then they will be baptized later. We're going to start with Kathy. Kathy, welcome here, and we'll just let you read. Um, Hi. My name is Catherine Spencer. I am 19 years old and from Cranbrook, B.C. I just moved to Abbotsford this past September, and that's when I began attending Central Heights. I grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian middle school, and if you'd asked me, I would have called myself a Christian. But I wasn't really living for God. I would never prioritize him, and in truth, I was living in sin. Uh, By grade 12, I had started drinking and partying, and I was very broken and very lost. (laughs) Throughout that year and the following year, I ended up doing a lot of stupid things and getting in some bad situation. I knew I was being immoral and and that what I was doing was not right. God was still not a priority in my life, and I chose sin. Looking back on it, it is amazing how much grace God had for me and how he watched over me during this time. (laughs) That winter and throughout the following spring, I was spiritually attacked quite frequently. This manifested in terrifying dreams and sometimes in fearful encounters. At the time, I knew nothing of spiritual warfare and had no idea what was happening to me. I was living in fear and I was afraid to sleep at night. 
the only thing that got me through this was I would pray and I would praise as these attacks were happening. As a result, I have so many small, victory, small stories of victory and how the Lord gave me peace during the night. And even though I was still living uh, a sinful life, he protected me. It wasn't until a good friend of mine came back from her YWAM that I was able to start understanding what was happening to me. She taught me about spiritual warfare and how God is greater and that in him we do not need to live in fear. I learned to trust in God and the attack subsided. God had become very real to me. Unfortunately, throughout this time and that summer, I was still carrying on living a sin-filled life. God had become a bigger part of my life, but I was still not living for him. That October, for the first time in a long time, I was spiritually attacked in a dream again, and it was terrible. <laughs> because of the nature of this dream, it brought attention to my immorality and how the sin, that the sin in my life was being used to draw me further away from God. It was quite the realization, and I was overcome with the shame and guilt, and I hated myself for the sin I had committed in the past. I felt such condemnation. A little while after this, I went to one of the worship nights here at Central Heights. While singing, I felt strongly compelled to pray. I laid down my sin, my guilt, my shame, and that was the night that I truly gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was no longer lost or afraid as he had saved me from this fear. I had found myself in Christ, and honestly, I cried because I was so overwhelmed with joy. I choose to be baptized because ever since then, I have been changed, and I have such a passion for the Lord. I am not perfect. I still make mistakes. However, I know that God has this amazing grace and that in him there is forgiveness. Because of Jesus, I have freedom, and I will live my life for him. Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. And this is Michaela. Oh, you're okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hi, I am Michaela. I'm 20 years old. Um, I live in Abbotsford, BC. I work in a child care um, facility right now. Um, yeah, so basically, I've always feel like I've had a pretty hard life growing up. Um, I've always had a spiritual side to me, trying to seek that out. I went to church camp every single summer and found a lot of friendships within Christian homes, and they would pray for me and bring them to church with them. And they got me through a lot of times, but I was never fully committed and never wanted to accept him fully into my life because of everything that was going on. Um, and I ended up getting into bad things as well. And then last year, I got really, really sick <clears throat> to the point where I lost over 60 pounds in less than three months. Um, I was in and out of the hospital. I was sick every single day and throwing up in excruciating pain. And that went on for about a year. And then I had met Amber and David, and I found out that they had taken the, that they have the Lord in their life, and I started asking questions and getting curious about that. And they started praying for me and with me, and I asked if I could come to community group with them. And I started learning more and just started praying for myself and started praying with them. And I started seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't feel like I wasn't going to make it anymore. I felt like I was going to survive this. And even if I didn't survive it, I knew that there was salvation and a place for me afterwards. And... Um, it literally saved my life because there was a point in time before I talked to Amber and David, actually, um, I went up onto 
a roof and I was very, very, very heartbroken. I was crying and I was like, I can't make it out of this. I'm gonna die. I'm just like, I can't. And um, I got a phone call from one of my friends and they pulled me off the top of the roof and a week later I had went and talked to Amber and David. And so just, I feel like having all of that in my life and that support and just bringing God in and praying and having him there for me and knowing that even if I wasn't gonna be okay, I knew that I was gonna be okay in the end. And, um, you know, just having that in my life has been extremely important for me. And then I came, started coming to church, and I actually took God into my life about three weeks ago now. I uh, became a Christian, and um, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, if it wasn't for Amber and David and accepting God into my life, I don't think I would be here today. So Jesus has definitely saved my life. And uh, my reason for wanting to get baptized is I want to leave all my sin in the past and I want to start anew. I want to leave that chapter of my life of all the pain and suffering and misery and negativity. I want to rise again in positivity and follow God and let him know that I want to follow him and he's going to be my life. And that's where I want my life to go, so. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Thank you, girls. So they're going to slip away and get changed to be baptized, and uh, wow. What I love about these stories, and as you can see, is that God uses people to help bring his good news to others. And so when you think about your own life and your own connections and relationships, and if you're walking with Jesus Christ, who has God put into your networks of relationships at work, at home, family, neighbors, um, people you're rubbing shoulders with? Uh, you are God's ambassador to them. And I just love that. I love how Michaela's, uh, you know, been affected by a community group around her. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. If we go look back into Isaiah briefly, uh, we go back to Isaiah chapter 45, and in verse 15, it says, Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. What an interesting statement for the prophet Isaiah to make. I mean, maybe sometimes, or maybe you're here today and you feel like, I don't know if God even exists, or... Maybe you're in a circumstance where, I mean, you, you believe God exists, but he just doesn't seem to be involved in your life at all. You, you don't see the evidence of God's working in your life or around you. Let me give the context of this passage so we, we understand where it's coming from when Isaiah wrote this. Isaiah is writing to Israel, and that may seem weird to you, but Israel represented at that time, they are God's people. And so today, we can, we can certainly most often put ourselves in their shoes because this is God speaking to his people. So if I'm a follower of God today, then I can hear what is often being said to Israel. And, and God had made a commitment to this people, and they had made a commitment to him. And God was so dedicated to them, but there were times in Israel's history where they did not live in commitment back to him, where they ignored him, they treated him with, with disrespect and just disregard. And so what happened is Israel at this point, after many warnings uh, that God gave to them, he said, come back to me, come back to me. They refused him. And so as a result of that, they found themselves uh, being under God's discipline and 
What they thought could never happen, their city of Jerusalem was ransacked by another nation, Babylon, and most of them were forcibly removed from Israel to Babylon in the north. And there, they felt hopeless. They felt they like, what could they have to hope for? And yet, we might have thought God would, had completely abandoned him, but the, the reality is Isaiah now starts to tell them, God has not abandoned you. He is not against you. You may have been disciplined, but God is for you. You are his people. He yearns for you. He wants the best for you. And so you may think in that moment that God is hiding himself. And that's sometimes how it is for us in our day-to-day circumstances. We think, God, where are you? Like, this is a difficult situation. What am I going through? And it may even be from my own doing. And yet, we need to know that God is at work. When they didn't realize was God is at work, he has a plan for them. And so we find out at the end of chapter 44 of Isaiah and the beginning of chapter 45 that God is going to do an amazing thing. He's going to work through another foreign ruler, and he actually names him. And if you believe Isaiah wrote this in advance, which I do, then God, through Isaiah, prophesied that there would be a man by the name of Cyrus who would come and they would defeat the Babylonians, and he would do a bizarre thing. He would release people back to their homeland. So God would use Cyrus to pave the highway for Israel, the people of God, to go back to Jerusalem. He spoke this in advance. He would do this. God is still for them. In the end, God says, my word is worthy to be trusted. No wonder. In verse 18, he points out that he is the creator. And then we see these words in verse 19 of Isaiah chapter 45. I did not speak in secret, God says. In a land of darkness, I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, Seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. In our difficulty, in our times where it seems God is silent, we still have his word. And what he has spoken will come to pass. When God says, Seek me, we don't need to wonder, Will it be worth it? Will it be worth it to follow him? Will it be worth it to give my life to him? Will it be worth it to trust him? In this situation, God says, I have not called you to to seek me in vain. In the end, you will see my word is trustworthy. This morning now, we're going to see a number of people be baptized who have said yes to that. They believe that God is true to his word. And so they're entrusting their lives to him. They're entrusting their future. And not just to start that way, but to live out their life so that no matter what happens in their life, they are saying, I believe in you, God. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, and I'm committing my life to follow him for the rest of my life. Okay, I'm going to get you all to stand, and we are going to actually uh, do a prayer of response to the Lord in, in response to these baptisms that have occurred and will still yet occur. It'll be on the screen Uh, We're going to say this together. Would you please join me? Faithful God, in baptism you claimed us, and by your Spirit you are working in our lives, empowering us to live a life worthy of our calling. We thank you for your leading to this time and place of reaffirming the covenant you made with those getting baptized today. Establish them in your truth and guide them by your Spirit 
that together with all your people, they may grow in faith, hope, and love, and be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Thank you for that. You may be seated. Going back to Isaiah 45, remember, this, this is Palm Sunday. Uh, and on Palm Sunday, we were reminded of the story when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and they threw before him their coats and palm branches and they shouted, even as we sang in the main sanctuary earlier this morning, Hosanna, Hosanna. The word Hosanna is all about salvation. It comes from yasha, which means to deliver or save, and anna, which means to beg or beseech. So in other words, hosanna means a cry. It means, I beg you to save us. They shouted that to Jesus, whose name means God saves. The salvation Isaiah and the other prophets talk about in the Old Testament are, fulfill, are fulfilled in this person, of Jesus Christ. Back in Isaiah 45, verse 20, he writes, assemble yourselves and come, draw near together. It's like Isaiah pictures, let's have a meeting and talk about God and whether he is truly who he says he is or not. Bring your idols or your concepts of idols or your functional savior, whatever you're looking to, to redeem you, to rescue you from something to something, bring it together because those gods won't hear your prayer. This God, the God that I'm talking about, the God of Israel, the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, is the one and only true savior. This invitation God gives is for all. And so he says in verse 21, declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Now listen to what he says. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. God is opening up his arms to an invitation, not just to a Jewish nation, but to all the nations, all the ends of the earth, with an invitation, turn to me and be saved, be rescued, not just from something, to something, to a life of salvation, a life of fullness, a life of flourishing. Turn to me, for I am God, and there is no other. Can he be trusted? Well, God says, for I... Myself, I have sworn. See, God could think of there's nothing higher than God himself, and so he swears by himself. I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear allegiance. Those words were quoted by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Philippi. He talks about what kind of God this is that we should bow to. What kind of God should we confess as Lord that is ruler over everything we have and all that we are? What kind of God is that? Is he a horrific, mean, angry God? No. Before he says those words in the letter to the Philippians, he talks about Jesus, who being in the form of God, he says, didn't grasp it 
didn't say, oh man, I got to rule, I got to show people my power. No, Jesus held it with an open hand, it says, and he took upon himself the form of humanity. And humility became like us. And even more than just a human being, he became a servant to humanity. And being found in that fashion, he humbled itself, it says, and he became obedient to the death on a cross. That's the kind of God that we are talking about. A God who would take on our humanity, who would limit himself to our physicality, and then obediently, as a servant, would walk towards the cross, be brutally punished, and more importantly, take upon himself all those transgressions, all the sins of the world, so that we might be rescued so that we might be saved. To that person, Paul says, quoting Isaiah, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isaiah invites us to make a choice that makes sense and compels us. You can not only be saved from your sins, but you can be saved to life abundant rich, full, flourishing in this life and for eternity. We're going to witness another baptism now, and then we're going to come back and we're going to sing, and then I'm going to give you an invitation later this morning. If you have not been a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to enter into this life that God is inviting you into, I'm going to give you that opportunity uh, in just a little while later. But we got another baptism to celebrate. In Romans, uh, Paul writes these words. He says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So confess, believe, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the Lord in his name will be saved. I'm just going to invite you to just bow your heads uh, with me for a moment. If you're here this morning and um, you've never experienced the rescue of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never entered into a relationship with him, and you would like to do that today, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand high just so I can see it. I want to give my life over to you, Jesus. Anyone? You're here this morning and... We've talked about not only being rescued from, but rescued to. And you know that maybe your walk with God, you're a Christian, but your walk with God has been more about, I don't know, it's stagnant, it's not full of life. And 
You know you just need to let go and trust him and enter into that flourishing. And today you just want to tell him, God, I just, I just want to let go. I want to give you over these things that I've been holding from you. Even as we heard from some of the testimonies, to let go and, Lord, I really want to let you reign in my life so I can experience your life. Could you just raise your hand if that's you this morning? I want to let go. I want to let go. Yes. Now let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you did not leave us to ourselves drowning, Lord, but you have sent your son, Jesus. I thank you for this amazing invitation that you gave us to enter into your salvation. Lord, you do not force any one of us, Lord. You could, but you, you don't. You just invite us. What a privilege, Lord, it is to bow our knees. What a privilege it is to sing your praises. What a privilege it is, Lord, to live under your rulership. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would help each one of us that currently believes in you, professes your name, Lord. Would you help us to live in the light of the beauty and glory of who you are, a God who would come to us and die on the cross for us and be risen. Thank you, Lord. And give us your resurrected life. We praise you for that. And Lord, if there's someone here that's still wondering, are, are you real? Are you for real? Is Jesus for real? Lord, we just entrust that person to you. We know, God, that you are, are so good. You're so gracious in the way that you draw us after yourself. And we just commit them to your grace and your goodness. And everybody said, amen.